this is That So Second Millennium, where we explore issues at the interface between science, philosophy, and Catholic theology. I'm your host, Paul Keesting, and your co-host is Bill Schmidt. This is episode 134 of That So Second Millennium. In this episode, Bill and I referred to a conversation that he had with David Seitz, who's a longtime professed member of the Secular Franciscan Order. He holds an MA in Theology from Sacred Heart Seminary in Detroit. He's written a book called Come Let Us Worship, Reflections on the Words and Prayers of the Mass. He produces podcasts, videos, blogs, and speaks publicly offering reflections for spiritual growth based on the life and works of St. Francis of Assisi. You can find him at his work at townministries.com and on YouTube and elsewhere. Look for his nickname, Franciscan Dave. My co-host, Bill Schmidt, who's also a secular Franciscan, appeared on his podcast, and therefore I wanted to have a conversation with Bill about that. Their conversation, which was intriguing, and I definitely recommend you look that up as well. We discussed in our conversation whether missionaries and scientists are also journalists, according to Bill's uh, definition that he offers today. We also discussed more about the spiritual value of seeking and spreading truth. So here is our conversation. And again, we strongly, I strongly recommend you uh, look up Franciscan Dave and find Bill's conversation with him there. So yeah, it was a fascinating conversation that you had with Dave. And there were some points I wanted to pull out um, and certainly we'd recommend people go back to the to the original podcast, go to the Franciscan Dave podcast and uh, check out his other work as well, because it's, uh, it's an intriguing venue that he's got going there. The, yes. uh, the episode before yours was one about the nuns, right? That's right. Yeah. And as, I, as a Franciscan, you have to specify that it's not N-U-N, it's N-O-N-E. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. The world is a, is a major, major pun that we all have to kind of clamber over when we bring up that subject. But yeah. That's, that's right. We're all yeah. learning a whole new uh, set of words and concepts uh, about uh, our religious discussions as much as our political and social discussions. Uh, uh, although what's nice about the religious discussions is that there actually is supposed to be a logic and a set of definitions underlying them, whereas I don't know if that's true about politics anymore. Right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. The, uh, the will to power, that's sort of what we have in politics these days. Indeed. But yeah. At least it's not, you know, we're not to the point where we're, you know, taking the czar to a, uh, you know, a house in Yekaterinburg and uh, shooting him in the middle of the night yet. No. That's right. But uh, we should be grateful for that, I think, sometimes. But, exactly, yeah. exactly. And I think it is largely, well, to some degree, it is a product of the um, the national profit, certain members of the national profit-driven, uh, ratings-driven media that are, are probably making some of this seem larger and more urgent and more disastrous than it is. Um, well, it's just that uh, I think we have to be careful about the um, uh, media over at the national level overblowing the urgency and the demonization and uh, all of uh, all of the uh, all of the worst aspects of today's politics uh, for the sake of um, 
ratings, etc. cetera, uh, when most, most Americans still are, thank God, uh, you know, living a relatively rational life uh, rooted in their local communities. Sure. And, um, and uh, that's, that's one thing that the politicians who, uh, you know, have spent their entire life in New York and Washington or perhaps California. Right. Yeah. They're always going to be surprised by, by the yeah. folks in the middle of the uh, country uh, and in the uh, South. And also, the, I think the there better, is, there the is clinger types. Exactly. That's yeah. How they, Maybe that's how they see them, but yes. Yeah. So so as far as the content of the interview itself, you brought up an interesting point. Uh, well, Dave brought up an interesting point. He asked you, what is a journalist? One of the, the things, and you and I have talked about this before, Bill, we are such a divided culture, mm -hmm. right? We're a divided country. We have a divided church and a divided episcopate, divided families, divided parishes. And... A lot of a lot of this angst comes through social media, you know. Where where are people getting their their news from, and what is the source of news, and how are people communicating, and just the effect that it has on on us as individuals. And so I, I think you know just to get back to the basics, if if we talk about communications journalism, what is the definition of a journalist? It's a word that people don't often try to. Defined, so it's a good question. Um, I think uh, the uh, the best definitions I've heard are basic, and they would say that uh, journalism is the act of gathering and assessing, and then uh, writing or producing in some way, uh, and then presenting a product of information and news. And uh, so I guess that definition would imply that a journalist is anyone who does that. So social media, you know, has social media made everybody a journalist? You know, for instance, social media and technology today allows me a platform so that I can have a podcast. Right. Think of it 15 years ago. If I wanted to have a communication like this with you, we would have to be on a radio station. That's right. Right. Limited, limited, um, I guess, bandwidth for the airwaves. Yet the Internet and the technology and social media makes it possible for me to do this. So would it be fair? Really? Uh, it, you kind of answered the question. Pope Francis says we're all journalists. But but is what I do really journalism or is what I do something different? It's, it's obviously a field in transition. I mean, good point. Right. It's, you've you've watched an enormous amount of change come through the the industry, if you will, since you uh, since you entered it. Yes, yes, and it's uh, uh, it's changed from the kind of field that, uh, at least in my idealistic college years, I was able to see as a vocation. Mm -hmm. Now it's it's so blatantly profit driven and market driven and talking points driven and celebrity driven that um it's it's really not the same uh industry that uh, that I feel like I joined uh, a long time ago sure and uh, uh, uh at the local community newspapers would have helped uh to stabilize 
the negative trends that were going on in uh, in the national media. But uh, they too kind of just uh, they were bought up and uh, and shrunken uh, for uh, you know the the profits of the investors and um, and of course the salaries never went up and the work always got more intense and people were doing yeah. the work of five people. Yeah. And yeah, it's been uh, it's been a very sad state for the local uh, communications media too. Um, but uh, that's where I think the that's where the answers have to start coming from because you have to be um, not objective in in the uh, you know ideal <laughs> sense, right. but you have to be uh, realistic. You have to be tied to reality in a in a local community because yeah. everybody's going to catch you on it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and and you want to be. You want to be in touch with reality in a local community, uh, and the folks uh, in our uh, in, in some of our political leadership today, they want to be uh, uh, ensconced in their bubble of unreality. Yeah. It seems to prove more effective for them. Yeah, which is <laughs> terrifying. But yeah, yeah. Uh, the less the less you can. Oh yeah, we we insulate ourselves from things that don't already match what we think. Exactly. Yeah. What is that? Uh, confirmation bias. Confirmation bias. Yeah. Right. Things, things related to that. Yeah. yeah. So you gave an interesting definition and in answer to Dave's question of uh, what is a journalist that involves oh. you know it's someone engaged in the act of gathering, assessing, producing, or presenting information, and presenting. Well, I mean, they, I suppose they could be part of just part of that process. Right. And that I wrote in my notes as I was listening to that uh, podcast, aren't missionaries journalists then? Don't they have good news? Is that not the uh, phrase that we use? Ooh. Yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah, part of uh, defining a journalist is not just the process, but what kind of content is coming out the other end, right? Uh, right. If, it's, uh, if it's the good news, then... Uh, the journalist and missionary are kind of uh, more synonymous, and uh, I I like that idea and the whole spiritual role of journaling is also something that uh, I I've I've thought about the connection between being a journalist who's who's looking at it as a vocation or as an act of missionary discipleship mm-hmm. and. The, the spiritual growth that comes from journaling, which I can't say I've been really good at most of my life. Right. But, well, but, either, uh, but yeah. Now, yeah uh, it's, it's obviously a good act of kind of building your self-awareness and, and yeah. uh, realizing yeah. reality. So, yeah, in your, in your definition there, if you're you know, assessing and then producing and presenting at least to yourself a, you know, the content of your journal, like what has God showed me today? What have I seen yes. today from that perspective in particular? Yes. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's what, um, that's what the, uh, objective style of journalism that has now been fading at least aspired to, I think, um, mm-hmm. in recent decades. Um, you know, it, it was kind of implicitly asking the question, what am I learning today? And so, dear reader, here's I'm writing you an article that tells you I 
spoke with person X and person Y and person X said this and person Y said that. And obviously I'm only catching a little bit of the truth of the entire story, but at least I'm in the process of learning, dear reader. Whereas nowadays, I think a lot of journalists write their story uh, not even pretending to be in the process of learning. Uh, they want to they, they wanna show you how much they've learned, and they want to teach you. <laughs> right. Right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, they want to overwhelm you with, you know, and in many cases, it's more like an emotional appeal than it is a, you know, some sort of reference to what's going on. And it's one thing to report on how other people are registering their feelings. Obviously, that's part of the news, but yeah. Now that's a very good point. Yes. Yeah, the uh the uh, emotivity of the news has come with the um with the move toward more video, with the move toward more breaking news in scare quotes. Sure. Uh yeah, and uh, and everything is supposed to uh I I like the I like to use the phrase uh, and this is certainly uh, true of social media and of a lot of the national media. It, it, they want to engage us by enraging us. Oh, and, yes. Uh, right? Yeah. 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 And so it's all the, a game of emotion. Yeah. I think of this blog that I've mostly weaned myself off of. haven't looked at it in months, fortunately. Yeah. But, uh, you know, when they, they would have some, you know, scandal and four flaming skulls. <laughs> oh, Oh, my. <laughs> At the top of their post about, you know, whatever it was, you know, something during the election last year, of course, you know, that would that would bring more and more of that sort of thing out. Yeah. Boy, that was a very blatant appeal to uh, emotions. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. It is. It is. Yeah. Although sometimes it's better to be, I'm not necessarily commenting on that blog, but it, sometimes it is better to be explicit that you're talking about emotions rather than kind of, you know, manipulating your words so that it sounds factual, but it's actually full of uh, uh, emotion and uh, manipulation yeah. of emotion. Yeah. 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 And then, and then reading the following article and thinking, first of all, maybe I don't think it's that serious. Second of all, I th is that does that sound reliable? Does that sound likely? Does that sound, you know, it was this just someone throwing shade as the saying is. All right. That's a good phrase. Yeah. But yep. yeah, uh, that's right. As, as opposed to. Well, I mean, yeah. So that, that was another part that you talked about. So uh, Dave brought up a quote by, uh, by G.K. Chesterton, who, of course, was a journalist, um, right. commonly thought of as, I mean, I think of him as an essayist yeah. as much as anything. I mean, he wrote a lot of opinion pieces, as we would call them today. I don't yeah, know if yeah he hardly ever that. wrote about, uh, you know, what we would call breaking news or hard news. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I look at that and, and it, you bring out this quote from Chesterton where he said, um, you quote Chesterton as saying that journalism is the art of pretending to know. So do you think that's an accurate depiction of what a lot of people are doing in journalism today? So we get these headlines, you get these bits. When headlines hurt, it's it's titillating, right? It's they, they throw out a catchy phrase that gets you to click on the link or to read the article, but it's shallow oftentimes, right? It, They're yes. not diving deeper. So no, is, no. is journalism today just pretending to know something? <laughs> well, yes, it is. And in that sense, you might say that sometimes it's uh, propagandistic or it's uh, 
disinformation or or other things that are just generally uh, manipulative, but I don't think that's the way Chesterton meant it. First of all, uh, a lot of the press of his day was more opinion-based journalism than objectivity-based journalism. In fact, the newspaper that he himself ran was a journal of, of opinion. But uh, he, he basically wanted to say, let's face it, folks, life is much more complicated. The facts of the situation are much more complicated. People are more complex than we can find out as we write an article or as we read an article. The story is always kind of richer and fuller than it first appears. And so I think that rather than telling journalists to go for it and be as propagandistic and sure of yourself as you possibly can be, and then you'll get more readers, instead he's, he's probably saying, I hope he's saying, be, be more humble about what you're learning. That's, of course, why, you know, in, in objectivity-based journalism, you're always attributing every quote that you put into a story. You're saying, this isn't me knowing this. This is somebody else telling me this. You know, it's so there, there's an act of uh, learning going on, a humble act of learning. So uh, I, I think Chesterton was a good guide in that. And uh, although you're right that uh, so much has changed in journalism and in the world, that uh, it can become a kind of uh, misunderstood phrase. Yeah, so what is the role of that, you know, the editorial page, which I once heard disparaged as, you know, the editorial page, the, the cartoons are for people who can't read and the editorial page is for people who can't think. I, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> how common that, that phrase ever was. And I don't <laughs> think that's entirely fair, but yeah. <laughs> well... Yeah, I've always liked the idea of an op-ed page um, yeah. uh, with with different uh, commentators uh, drawing on their own expertise. Um, and it never really made sense to me to have like an editorial board in the case of some of the really uh, big uh, newspapers. Um, because that's not really an editorial in the sense of it being a voice of, you know, the editor who has assembled and uh, made uh, discernments about the stories that are in that day's paper, they are trying to, um, like you say, uh, they're, they're trying to tell you in a benevolent way what to think about, about an issue. Mm -hmm. And why hire an editorial board of 10 people who are really, I, I gather, quite separated from the rest of the newsroom or from the news organization as a uh -huh. reporting function, um, to me, that's um, uh, that's a function best left to like the op-ed page, and to magazines of commentary, and mm -hmm. and, and things like that. And uh, it just so happened that uh, uh, G.K. Chesterton, that was uh, that was the I guess the style of newspapering back then uh, that it was commentary, partly because. Uh, it would take a long time to cover all the breaking news that we can just turn on a, you know, we can go by satellite to uh, the uh, Mexican border and and uh, tell everybody exactly what's going on. But Chesterton was actually in the craft of, uh, you know, uh, thinking about things before he reported sure. them. Yeah. 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 Um, 
Yeah, and uh, so he was. I, I, I was thinking that um, when uh, when he used that phrase, pretending to know something, uh, I was thinking that he was just reminding himself almost uh, that uh, we pretend to know the full story, and uh, we, where it's impossible to know the full story, and we have to be um, humble about what we do know and what we we don't know. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how much any journalist achieves that. Even uh, G.K. Sure. Chesterton, sure. but at least he made those essays. And that's what they really were. You're right. That's he made them very readable and uh, 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 compelling, <clears throat> and he cared about the truth that shone through. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was a person who had been on a journey himself and had been drawn by the truth that he encountered from one thing you know, from one place to another throughout his, yeah. over the course of his life. That's and right. That's, yeah. 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 That's, that's the whole point. Are we letting, are we letting the outside world? And this is where I, as a scientist see parallels as well. Cause I mean, if I sit there and think about it, the act of gathering, assessing, producing and presenting an information product. Well, then I'm a, when I'm a, when I'm functioning as a research scientist, I'm a journalist as well. That's a very interesting point. And don't they t- uh, they use the term scientific journals? Right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's very true. Yeah, that yeah, is the that's fundamental product of research. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's, that's uh huh. The fundamental law. It's the news of what what someone has found today. What someone has. Uh, and, exactly. And when it's and when it's things about, I mean, then there are of course current events. You know whether it be climate or whether it be volcanoes or whether it be, you know, astronomical events, there's news in science. I mean, even when it's very research. Oh, oh yeah. Something that most of us only hear about as it's been, you know, little, little bits of it that researchers have, you know, produced and then someone has noticed and spread it out to the popular, to the broader public. But that's right. That's right. And uh, one of the neat things about uh, scientific journals at their best is not just the fresh research uh, that's coming out as, in a sense, news, but also the extensive footnoting and, uh, you know, tracing back to uh, prior studies that, in a sense, really validate the new studies. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and well, journalists get away with not needing to do that. I mean, uh, news journalists. Yeah. News journalists. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever yeah. you call them. <laughs> refer back to the. And, and as you see, I mean, you know, refer back to, you know, my colleague's story on September 17th, or God forbid, my competing newspaper's story on October 11th. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. Although we can yeah. do that, I mean, if there's, if there's a. And there are, of course, positives to the internet. You know, the internet allows us to do that in That's a way true. that you know newspapers never did. You know, so it's just it's just some words in blue in the middle of the story, and you can click on them if you want. But that's uh, a good point. Yeah. yeah. And yet, the internet has proven to be such uh, a good and bad <laughs> news <laughs> story. Uh, I, I think a lot of people have been overwhelmed by just the inundation, the the fire hose of information and data that's being created and distributed every day. And they almost have given up, and they really just want to um, absorb more of what they understand already, and which often comes yeah. to mean the opinions that they have already. 
Yeah. And uh, so the the real value of of news in journalism, whether it's scientific news or just the, uh, the crime news of the town, uh, that's that's getting uh, sidetracked. Well, so there was some. I took some notes there in in the, the middle of the podcast. Uh-huh. Seeking truth is a spiritual exercise. So when we look at our lives of holiness, you know, we should be seeking truth. You know, Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. Jesus yeah, says, yeah, I right. am the truth. Yeah. That's an attribute of God, truth. So would you say that if if I'm in journalism, you, me, I, whoever is, is engaged in this activity, is seeking the real truth of the matter really – can it be a spiritual exercise? Oh, wow. Absolutely. For us who are pursuing Catholic Christian values, we should be in a pursuit of the truth as exactly you said, uh, uh, Christ as as the truth. So that, of course, appeals Ooh. to me as a scientist as well. Um, yeah. The fact that all disinformation is harmful, there, that there is a, a real, I mean, we, we let it. Yeah, it's one of those things that can slip from my awareness for sure. Um, you know, there are three transcendentals. There is, you know, the goods in the middle. Yes, beauty. The, and yeah, beauty, beauty truth, goodness. and goodness. Yeah. Yes, yes. But go on, go on with that thought. I like, I, I, I like that point. Um, and, and then comment, and again, of course, in, in throughout a lot of this, you, you, uh, you cite, you know, you refer to Pope Francis and some of the things that he said at the. Yeah. In particular, at the 2018, uh, what was it called? Media culture. World Communications Day. World, message, World Communications yeah. Day. Yeah, which which, yeah. He wrote, which he wrote an entire short book about. That's know, right. Commenting on that. When um, headlines hurt. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so the idea that all you know all disinformation is harmful. The idea that post truth was the word of the year in 2016. Is it right? I think that's really revealing. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we yeah. should have known that we were taking a bad turn. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I have I have uh, you know mused from time to time that you know the whole the whole uh, brouhaha about this uh, you know supposedly was a Maya inscription that somehow you know the years run out in 2012 and that the, the yeah. world would end in 2012. Obviously, yeah. it was a few years early. I mean, you know, between 2016. <laughs> I mean, 2016, of course, you know, for me personally, um, so of course, there was the, I'm a, I'm a Cardinals fan, and the Cubs won the World Series for the first time in over 100 years. Right. What universe am I in? I'm not sure I like this anymore. <laughs> um, and then there's the, uh, the fact that I was living in East Tennessee, and East Tennessee was on fire. Because, you know, it had, I mean, it, uh, even though the eastern United States isn't susceptible to fire in the same way that the western United States is, it's still, right. it's still something that happens from time to time in the natural mm-hmm. order of things. Yeah. And, and then the, in the, you know, the 20th century paradigm of Smokey the Bear and, you know, we're going to put every fire out as soon as it occurs means that a lot of things that are, you know, in the natural order of things in some sense supposed to get burnt don't get burnt and they pile up. Yeah. Um, so that can be destructive. So, so there was smoke in the air. The Cubs were winning the World Series, and Donald Trump was becoming president, which is just 
you know, abstracting from the politics and just, you know, the personality of the man, Donald Trump, <laughs> Donald Trump. <laughs> I mean, in my formative years, what was Donald Trump doing? Well, he was getting an extremely expensive divorces. Yeah, that's really yeah. that's really all I knew him to be famous for. I mean, he was famous right. for being famous well before Paris Hilton was famous for being famous. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and. Yeah, uh, he was the he was uh, on page six of the New York Post uh, uh, every day, rather than making news with uh, actions that change the world. Yeah, well, yeah. other than other than his investors that change things for his investors, <laughs> one way or another. But yes. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, and then and then of course twenty twenty comes along. Like I'm I'm yeah, what. What the, what is the Almighty going to do to us in 2024? Along with mm-hmm. you know the whatever god awful um, carnival barker uh, <laughs> show uh, is that the presidential campaigns are going to be that year, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah we've uh, we've allowed uh, our politics to become so unmoored from reality and from level headedness and. Yeah, uh, thinking before you uh, say something. Uh, right. That right. Uh, I, I'm not. I'm not even optimistic that uh, the the term uh, debate is going to mean much anymore. Remember how? Um, uh, who was it? Uh, that uh, Fox uh, reporter, a uh, Fox journalist. He uh, he completely <coughs> lost control of oh. that uh, debate. Remember that where uh, it was uh, Biden and. Um, and Trump and uh, yeah, uh, there, uh, uh, well, Trump was of course uh, kind of uh, using some bullying tactics along with the debating yeah. tactics. Yeah, but yeah. It, it it's uh, it's a constant problem that we don't know how to have have debates that are moored in this in the shared search for for truth and reality and agreement and common yeah. sense and yeah yeah yeah. yeah. Yeah, that it, yeah. I mean, that's that's a human weakness, and it's you know you could certainly go back in history and look for examples of that. And yet, at the same time, it sure wasn't the Lincoln Douglas debates. No, that's right. That's right. Yeah, but yeah, you're you're a student of history and of uh, philosophy and knowledge uh, uh, that uh, in a in a special way that I am not. Uh, would you say that um, right now we are in a situation that is unprecedented at least in terms of politics and culture and, uh, uh, yeah or, I mean, yeah pieces of it are um pieces of it are yeah i mean the the intellectual currents that have blown in such a strange direction um the the relativism the whole you know so much, so much of what the modern political left. I mean, what, whatever you can say about the political right, it's it is in fact conservative in the sense that it's it's you know it draws on things both good and bad that have always been part of human nature. Right. Um, whereas the political left is attempting to forge off into this you know into this brave new world where you know we can remake things in a way that we almost certainly can't actually remake. Indeed. Yeah, we're trying um, to redefine human nature on the left. Yeah, to see if we can get away with that. I mean, everything, you know, 
we're living through an experiment. We're living through a massive experiment. What is it like for to live in a world with this many people? Who knows? There is no historical parallel. That's true. Um, what is it like to live in a world with this rapid of communication and transportation technology? No one knows. You know, it's right. it's we're just watching it develop for the first time. Um, yeah, we don't know what the consequences are all going to be. Yeah, um, yeah. And isn't it interesting that amidst all of this newness and change, that um, pretty consistently America has turned uh, to older people, uh, Biden and Trump, for instance. Oh, that was yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. That's 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 fascinating. How is it? Yeah, how is it that there are no you know young bucks? I mean, even just one generation back. I mean, even right. W. Right. I mean, when he right. was the president was not, you know, was not in this age category. Bill no, Trump that's right. Definitely was not in this age category. Um, you know, when you look at the late 20th century and it kind of bounces back and forth. Eisenhower wasn't that young. Kennedy certainly was. Kennedy was young, yeah. Johnson, Johnson was that's on the older funny. side. I guess by the time Nixon actually won the presidency, he was probably in the middle of the road, I would guess. Right. Or, Carter was probably a little on the young side. Reagan was definitely on the old side. So, you know, That's it bounces right. back and forth. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, but yeah the, idea, the idea that things are being dictated by the young and that the young are throwing up Joe Biden and um, Bernie Sanders right. as, as their <laughs> champions. What in God's name is going on? <laughs> <laughs> well, it makes it makes it clear that uh, there's, there's some... Uh, forces acting on our democracy that uh, are not uh, generational as much as ideological right. and other things, I guess. Yeah. 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 Uh, which should, I mean, it should be true that, uh, you know, generation and age should not determine our politics or one's policy preferences or anything. Right. But it if does things, make me feel If things are better. true, they're true. Yeah. Right. That's right. But it's almost like, um, you know, we, uh, we, we've been told that, uh, you know, this uh, wisdom uh, comes automatically with age, and we can't really justify that anymore. Although at the same time, my impression of uh, the business world, et cetera, is that uh, for various uh, financial reasons and other reasons, the business world is kind of purposely shedding uh, a lot of its most experienced people and uh, turning to the young, uh, maybe not for their wisdom, maybe for their creativity and new insights. I hope so. But it's also sometimes just to fill a seat in a corporation at uh, the lowest possible cost. And, and, And extract 60 hours a week of work from them. Until exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, all of those metrics uh, of, uh, you know, wisdom and uh, all of those things have been set aside. Yeah. Yeah. To the point where, gosh, was it in uh, the meritocracy trap where, you know, the author comments in passing about, uh, you know, companies paying women to freeze their eggs for later so that they can get pregnant after they've, you know, basically spent their entire 20s and 30s working 60 and 70 hours a week without time Mm. for children or anything like that. 
Wow. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, it wasn't said in quite that many words, but that's pretty close to what seemed to be the goal there. That's, yeah. The, I mean, the, the social engineering that we believe, we believe we're capable of. And that's not entirely new, but gosh. And, and to have such uh, faith in the uh, our ability to engineer uh, the future um, is, is so scary. Uh, Ch- Chesterton uh, had a good line about how, um, you know, when you come to a sign that says, you know, in your, on your uh, travels on a roadway mm-hmm. and you come to a sign, do not enter or uh, stop here. Yeah. Uh, before you tear that down, yeah. you'd better find out why it was, why it was <laughs> put there. there. Yeah. The yeah. I've read that. I forget which piece that's in, but yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so we've forgotten how to say no to any technological yeah. advancement and to understand why some things are good and some things are uh, bad. It's like a blind faith. Would you yeah. say it's a blind faith in science as well as a blind faith in technology? Um, um, it's, it's almost a blind faith in progress, right? Yeah. It's, you know, that science and technology are subsidiary pieces of this blind faith that we're we're forging off into this new future where we're, we're throwing out all of these terrible old ideas that, you know, every previous misogynistic, racist, blah, 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 unjust, you know, exploitative imperialist century before us, you know, that people held back then because we're so much better than they are. Right. Um, and we're, we're just going to keep, I mean, it's, I remember, in, you know, my women's studies class at the turn of the century, reading some essay from the sixties about, you know, Women must point out, you know, all these elements of the patriarchy and then they must tear it down. Gosh. Society is like an airplane. Like, it's like a boat. Let's, we can at least use the metaphor of a boat. Uh-huh. We kind of need the boat. We need the boat. We need kind of boat. need a boat to be intact. If we want to build a new boat separate, you know, separately from us, if we can get the resources from somewhere, you know, maybe that would be good. But we need that new boat before we destroy the old boat. Uh, well said. Yes. Yeah. No, that, that, that and uh, even in uh, how-to uh, books in, in the business world, et cetera, the, the, uh, for years, uh, that idea of uh, the disruptor right. was kind of, uh, be, he, that was the hero. And indeed, to some degree, uh, Trump was voted in because he would be a disruptor of sure. of the swamp or of the of the washington that people had grown so yeah. disillusioned with yeah uh, but uh yeah you can't be a total disruptor uh because you no. still need that boat like you say yeah yeah you, you, have, you need a very clear plan and of course you know once you start implementing it the plan will obviously change but you know you need some some direction that you're going when you start you know, trying to change things and some, some sense that it will actually work some right. sort of actual reason beyond your wishing it. So, right. Yes. If and that's why would behave this way, like Marx, like Marxism, if only people would behave this way, Marxism right. would be great. Such a great system. The quote that I read in the, in the book by the CIA, CIA guy about the, you know, the plot to assassinate the Pope, you know, Communism would be such a great system if only there weren't actual people. And in particular, communism would be great in Poland if only there weren't any Poles. 
Oh my! <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, we want to we want to believe, uh, or a lot of folks want to believe in the simplest ideas and the simplest ways to get to the simplest goals. Yeah. And they're totally forgetting the complexity of human nature yeah. and of, of everything, of life. And um, yeah. it's funny, uh, I always think of that line, uh, it's, I'm sure it's from a psalm. One of my, my favorite pieces of music is from Bernstein's Mass. Okay. Leonard Bernstein uh, wrote a wonderful, uh, uh, you know, opus there. Um, and... Uh, the line is, God is the simplest of all. And um, it, it's, uh, that's food for more thought in a, in a further conversation. But uh, God is both immensely simple and immensely complex. Just take a look at the universe as the proof he offered us of that. Huh? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Or of, of every kind of science that... Uh, uh, the, where it's exploring complexity, but there's a certain simplicity that we we need in light. We can't just seek simplicity. And right. So, yeah, yeah, that's the thing. There's there's an Aristotelian mean there as well because we're indeed yes. Yeah. 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 Oh, maybe uh, wouldn't that be a good bumper sticker for 2024? Uh, vote for candidate X for the. Aristotelian mean, yeah, gosh. yeah. I, I I'd vote for I'd vote for that candidate. I, I I'd I'd at least kick the tires. I I, I would certainly <laughs> check him out. I don't I don't think he has mass market appeal at this point. But uh, <laughs> do you think maybe maybe uh, just three more years we we can we can uh, maybe the seeds are just well, I mean that's planted. the whole point. That's the whole point, right? Is we need to think longer term than that. You know. Well, that's right. 2024 is going to be, if you'll pardon my French, uh, dear listeners, it's going to be the shit show that it's going to be at this point. Indeed. But 2028 could be better, and 2032 could be better than that. That's right. And, I mean, all the years in between, because there are things that matter beyond presidential elections. That's another important thing to remember. Right. But, um, but since those, you know, do focus the insanity of our of our times so uh, profoundly. Yeah. Um, yeah. We we need to. Yeah. What, what does society have to be? How does society need to be different? And how do I do something concrete about it? Right, right. Certainly talking about it and communicating about it is, is one thing. But there's action you need to take. That was another point that you, you guys made in your discussion, is that sometimes action is what's needed. That's instead right. Instead of speaking. Yes. And that was a Franciscan point, wasn't it? The idea of um, uh, speak, uh, uh, preach always when necessary, use words. That yeah. sometimes action is the best way to to preach, yeah. yeah. Um, and also but, the idea that sometimes uh, silence is a very good listening is a very good learning aid. For sure, Just plain old silence for reflection, yeah. and it sounds like that's something that's going on at uh, uh, Wyoming Catholic College. Uh, there's that's a value cool. to uh, to silence and to reflection. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. The, the yeah, that's pretty give good. Students time and space to do that. I think that's neat. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, should we uh, should we um, plan for we a future conversation? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, there, there's still this? several lines there at the end that I think we could start. We could start another conversation about. Yeah, really. So yeah, yeah. 
the whole the whole business about my truth. There's a whole conversation that I don't think we have time oh for today. Gosh. No, that's time. right. Yes, Re- yeah. relativism, the tyranny of relativism. Yeah. yeah, people people hold on to their truth so much that they don't want any other truth. Yeah, well, and there's yeah. another side to it as well. There, there there are other sides to it that I think get lost in the you know we just sort of scream at each other. You know, from both sides, from one side or the other, the relativist and the, um, what do you want to say? Absolutist is a terrible term, but nothing else is coming to mind at the time. The realist, <laughs> let's say the realist camp. Um, yeah. But, but for today, I think we better we better pack it in there. So definitely, oh. uh, definitely, dear listeners, go and check out the uh, the Franciscan Dave podcast. And yes, Dave. indeed. And uh, I know that he um, he also blogs and has other content at a site that's called Tao Ministries. Okay. Um, and so Google that, dear listener, and uh, it's T-A-U Ministries uh, based on what we often call the Franciscan cross, the, uh, the T-shaped cross. And uh, Dave is uh, doing an awful lot of good stuff um, for uh, spiritual growth in a Franciscan mode of life. So I, uh, I appreciated being on, on his program and recommend it to others. Thank you for joining me on uh, kind of uh, using that as a launching point for conversation. Absolutely. Sounds great. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this episode of That's So Second Millennium. TSSM's audio producer is Morgan Burkhardt. Our theme music, Igneous Grok, was composed and performed by Vin Marquardt. For my co-host, Bill Schmidt, I'm Paul Geesting. Until next time.